Volume 1, The Book of Filth. Tooth, a Riverwalk Tale of Terror, found by an unsuspecting reader. Copyright 2021 by Joshua Lee Diaz. All rights reserved. No part of this book may be reproduced in any form or by any electronic or mechanical means, including information, storage, and retrieval systems, without written permission from the author, except for the use of brief quotations in a book review. Chapter 1. You killed my dog, Kaylee Smith whispered with a low, graveling, ascending whine. Kaylee, a farmer and a man, looked at the young 15-year-old Kark Dundle as if he had just found the devil himself. Kaylee, sweating and full of hidden, hateful spite, looks down at his German shepherd that still has the arrow Kark Dundle shot him with right between the eyes. The black and tan German shepherd named Schleppi, sometimes Jonathan, looks with dead cross eyes in all assuming directions. The smell of the coming rot is already infecting the air around the dog's dead space aura. What time you got? Kaylee asks Kark Dundle matter-of-factly, like the two of them are tired and deep in the woods of an expedition they both intended to take part in together as a team. This matter-of-factness between these two perfect strangers makes Kark's insides chill with an eerie steel-spiked stab. Kark, staring into the simple eyes of Kaylee, glances down at his watch that says 2.31 p.m. It's 2.31 p.m.? Kark manages to say without sounding a quarter of afraid as he actually is. Kaylee stares at Kark with his beady, half-bred, maybe inbred southern eyes as the July sun is taking its time, making the attempt to kill the both of them with heat stroke. Did you count the seconds? Kaylee asks, not taking his eyes off of Kark. As if Kaylee is locked into his soul now, Kark is hypnotized by Kaylee's stare. It is a stare Kark Dundle has never seen before. Never seen before because he's never met someone who intends to kill him like Kaylee does. Read the seconds off to me. Kark frowns as he takes a quick glance down at the cross eyes of the dead German shepherd he mistook for a simple deer. A fawn, he thought it was. Kark sees that Kaylee isn't kidding. He glances down at his watch and begins to count the seconds out loud. 46, 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, 52, 53, 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, 59, 232. Kark says with a halt in the oral counting of time. Precious seconds, Kark and Kaylee wish they could turn over to the Holy One as a reimbursed exchange for their chance encountering of each other to never have taken place. Boy, I didn't say stop. Count. Kark, feeling the hostility rising within Kaylee himself, sits back still holding his crossbow. Mister, I'm sure sorry for killing your dog. I thought it was a deer. A, a, a fawn. Kaylee snatches the crossbow out of Kark's arms, shocking Kark's eyes to stupefied attention. The first violent encounter of many that would follow. It was a shock because Kark has never had a grown man, let alone a grown stranger, take executive control over his possessions like Kaylee has just done. This makes Kark feel the need to piss, even if it is in his brown camouflage trousers. A fawn? Kaylee asks, examining Kark's crossbow with a viscerant condescension. Kaylee's eyes turn dead as he stares at the bow, as if stupefied, losing interest in the sight of it. Not only are these deer out of season, you wanted to kill a baby? 
Mr. I- Kark is wrapped across the face with his own crossbow, instantly lacerating his bottom lip, making the metallic warm taste of blood the only sensation he can sense and perceive. Grabbing his mouth, Kark's eyes begin to fill with tears due to the intense searing pain he now feels taking over the lower portion of his face. You make my skin crawl, you city boy faggot, Kaylee says with a peculiar southern dialect that has no particular regional specificity. Kaylee doesn't even look at Kark as he spits on the crossbow with a large wad of tobacco chew from his lip. The smell of it makes Kark nauseous. Kaylee looks at his dead dog with a wince of pain that turns into a god-awful dead-skin mask look of terrorizing threat. Tell you what, boy. You keep counting, and I promise I won't kill you slow. I'll kill you quick. Kark's eyes dilate, his jaw drops with blood trickling from it like some hungry space zombie clown, and his asshole puckers. People's feelings, how they make Kark feel, have always been a superstitiously sensitive perceptual ability for Kark. His mother said he had been blessed by the angels with his gift, blessed to not ever have to have the misfortune of letting people wrong him without Kark seeing it coming. All Kark can see coming right now is his own death. Usually, there is a continuance factor in Kark's personal mind's eye, a vision of continuity. Right now, all Kark sees is nothingness with a definite and definable end. Sir, I'll do anything you ask. Please don't hurt me. I'll do anything. I can make it. I can make this right. Kaylee swats Kark's gesturing hand away from his dead dog as if the near proximity of his hand is plague. A sickening disgust washes over the mouth of Kaylee as he stares unrelentingly with dead eyes into Kark's that lead down the optic tunnels directly into his soul. What's done is done. There ain't nothing you can do to bring back my schlepping dog, is there? Kaylee says, getting closer to Kark's face menacingly like a brooding beast yet to show its true shape and form. Kark is silenced to a creaking squeak that escapes the back of his throat. Kaylee pulls out a long silver buck knife that gleams in the hot summer sun, shining for a moment into Kark's eyes, blinding him. Kaylee squatting, still hunkered down in the face of Kark, loosens his belt, undoing it. For a moment, Kark thinks Kaylee is about to sodomize him, raping him while he holds the knife to his neck. This is the Deep South. Deliverance country, he frightfully thinks. But all Kaylee does is pull the long, leather-strapped section of the belt out of three of the loops, stretching it tight as it makes a buckling, rustle cinch sound. Kaylee begins to sharpen the blade, scraping it up and down the worn leather face that is making horrific slicing sounds, like the sounds Kark might hear if he were being skinned by Kaylee, which he is sure Kaylee might do. Mister, this is nuts. There has to be something I can... And without warning, Kaylee slices Kark across his open bare chest, cutting a deep, long laceration, exposing the inner meat of his pecs. As quickly as he is sliced, Kaylee goes back to sharpening his knife on the belt as if the deep, dangerous cut across Kark's chest was a hallucination. That's cut one. If you say one more word to me other than the count of those seconds, I'm going to compress cuts two, three, four... Five, six, seven, and eight into one horrific combination. It will feel like it is all happening at once. 
still looking down with his fingers stiff contorted and in front of the wound like he is a frozen doll. Kark goes to scream, but all that comes out is hot, coarse air. Kaylee continues to sharpen his knife. Still too dull. Kaylee says coldly, not looking at Kark as if he doesn't even consider him there. His presence is nil to Kaylee. Stuttering as he watches Kaylee increase the speed of his sharpening blade, Kark summons the strength to speak as he quickly looks down at his watch that now says 2.35 p.m. 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34... 35, 36, 37. Kaylee grabs Kark's arm and begins to slice the bicep, making it separate from the bone balling up in his arm. Kark immediately feels his arm is now inoperable and twitches, making six sucking sounds as the muscle contracts up his arm, hidden under its pound of flesh. Kark hadn't even had time to recover from the chest laceration, let alone this life-changing non-anesthetic procedure by an 18th century medical buffoon, if you had to encapsulate and rationalize the modern-day caricature of Kaylee Smith. The gasping, squeaking sounds have returned only at a faster, more anticipatory pace, as if building to the coming operatic climax. I haven't even been laid yet, Kark thinks. Not knowing what to do, operating now on pure survival instinct, Kark gets up to turn and run as far and fast as he can from the terrifying Kaylee Smith. But before he can step his foot to take the first step to run in the opposite direction after whipping 180 degrees, Kaylee, with lightning-fast slashing skills, cuts the Achilles heel of Kark Dundle, sending him falling to the forest floor, face first in the bright red dirt under the Arizona sun. That muscle, too, balls up into Kark's calf muscle section, making it feel like he's just been shot with a glue gun in acid. An acidic, blood-curdling scream finally releases itself from Kark's mouth, making it seem like he made the trees rustle that are swaying with zen-like ease under the gentle breeze. Two contradictory moments. A dichotomy of environmental meditation and pain. And just like before, Kaylee goes back to sharpening his knife as if the slice never took place. From the blade, he is studiously sharpening at an even faster percussive pace of quickened eighth notes. <laughs> Kark screams, grabbing at his chest with his left hand while the right arm goes queer with unusability. Boy, anyone ever tell you your instincts is awful? Kaylee quips with pleasure. I, 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 I. Kark heaves over and over as the full terror of realization washes over him like a bathing of blood and lusting horror, Kark feels stupefied, out of body, and far too lucid to yet be close to death. Kaylee, still sharpening his, his knife on the leather of his undone belt, moves his head close to Kark's without taking his eyes off his feverant, psychologically damaging activity, which is taking Kark's emotional mind to Iron Man marathon-level task. Better be brave, boy. Now count. There was no interruption in Kark's submissive obedience this time. 13, Kark continues counting as Kaylee stands above Kark, holding out his belt like it were his big nigger cock, sharpening the blade at a slow and methodical pace. Your instincts have improved drastically. Kaylee says to Kark, as if he were his high school teacher elated by the progress of his pupil. Four, five, 
six, seven, eight. Kaylee drops his trousers and pulls his limp white dick out, spraying Kark in the face with his piss. Even though the piss enters Kark's mouth, he doesn't notice. It drips from his mouth that is unmoved from the motivation to continue the masticating action of counting as he stares blankly into the sky woods above him, as if lost in oblivion. The shock is total. Soon he will be dead, he hopes. But not if Kaylee has anything to do with it. Bark like a bitch. Kaylee hoarsely smiles out of the crook of his cracked mouth as he continues sharpening his blade as Kark sits in the mud. <laughs> Kark responds with perfect presentation and intonation. This is my first torture session, boy, and I'm loving it. Gargles Kaylee. <laughs> Kark continues to bark. Kaylee stands, circling Kark, who is on his knees with shit running down his leg awkwardly. Slowly, with one foot in front of the other, Kaylee marches in rhythmic step with the continued sharpening of his blade. I'm as cocksure and filled with greatness as I've ever been in this moment, boy. Kaylee says as if he is a general about to make his great speech to his troops detailing the mighty calling of the dogs of war. Flesh has no more meaning. Death is only real. Kaylee stops in his tracks, staring at the horrific horror art of Kark's mystified stupor as farting sounds of shit continue to procure filth leaking down his leg. Damnation hath no scorn as I do, boy. Kaylee shakes his head as if that were the wrong thing to say, losing his cool finally like his body had just been ripped open by the seams of his heart. Kaylee lets out a wail. You killed my dog, boy. Kaylee begins to sob as Kark, not much more than a fleshy meat puppet automaton of shock, continues counting the seconds of the minutes. 38, 36, 37, 40, 48, 9. Kark counts in erratic order. The isolated insanity of this private moment is setting in for Kaylee. Not so much for Kark. He's gone to Splitsville from his mind, body, and vanquished spirit. Kaylee looks down at his terror slave, losing the intensity of his sobbing emotional outburst like it were a fire that had been instantly put out. What's your fucking name? Kaylee screams at his terror slave. Kark. 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 Kark says as a bark continuing the great horror show. Kark. Kaylee answers with a condescending bark. Kark the bark. <laughs> Kaylee screams, laughing maniacally, happening to unfortunately look at the cross-eyed stupor of his dead dog best friend, the German shepherd named Jonathan. Wait one right here, boy. I gots to go gets me my chain. For an hour, Kark sat there on his knees, counting and continuing his still, in-place death march count toward his own personal apocalypse. The stupor hasn't left his eyes, only dulled a bit. The clinking sound of a heavy chain can be heard rustling in the dead desert pines. Emerging from the pines is Kaylee holding a very large wide-gauge chain that weighs nearly 50 pounds. It is used to hold back angry bulls if you had such a need. He walks toward the toad, Kark, as he counts with a hoarse voice caked in blood. Jazz plays in the mind of Kaylee, music he did not know he had in him until that fateful afternoon. Turn sour, yes indeedy. Somewhere, you can hear the opening title of Andy Griffith playing in the background noise of some lost television signal. Stepping in front of Kark, Kaylee places the 50-pound chain around Kark's neck that doesn't make him slump in the slightest. His back is far too stiff to weigh him down any. Son, 
The apocalypse is upon us, Kaylee says empathetically as if giving a lesson in the exquisite art of pain to his new pupil, the doomsdayer named Kark. Heal me, O Lord, Kark screams like a scrape against the tunnel of his own voice. Cry out to me like that again and I'll crush your windpipe. Kaylee seethes with a southern undertone of hostility, shrugging his shoulders and raising his eyebrows. Kaylee, in the rushed panic of it all, begins to hallucinate seeing his mighty dog Jonathan running alongside an idealized version of himself, like Johnny Crockett on a summer afternoon, lutted in a caked glitzy blend of ham-fisted Hollywood cheese. The illusion disappears and all that is left is a young piece of sliced-up meat named Kark Dundle. Sitting on his knees as if he were an Egyptian slave praying for the sun god Ra to deliver him from his slaver, Kaylee squats down next to Kark. Now I'm going to tell you straight, you better find a reason to get me to stop cutting, because pretty soon I'm going to find some wild wolves to start feeding you to. Piece by piece. Kaylee stares at the dripping blood falling from Kark as it splatters. Kaylee stares at the dripping blood falling from Kark as it spatters on the red dirt in front of him. He notices how it impacts like many meteors, making little craters of viscera. Kark looks down at his mangled and broken body. He begins to sob as if he is coherent and aware of his predicament now. Mister, I'm so sorry. Kaylee stares at him squatting in front of him. Yeah, you sorry. I was teaching my little Jonathan how to mark time and place until I gave him the command to come. He waited in those woods in that spot for six whole hours right up until I called for him and then you shot him with your bow. Kaylee looks down at his dog that is still very much dead. The arrow stuck in its mark as Jonathan's dead purple tongue haphazardly hangs lifelessly out of the side of its once boisterous jowls. He <laughs> didn't have my contact lenses in. I forgot to put them in. I thought I was killing a baby deer. Kaylee runs his head teeth first into Kark's throat, biting it, ripping it open with his teeth. Kark makes all the airy voiceless squeals you might imagine as a young man not even having been laid yet. Wide-eyed and terrified gasps his last moments of slurping, bloody, suffocating death. Pulling away, staring red-eyed into Kark's dead, dilating retinas, Kaylee screams animalistically, biting wider and deeper into Kark's blood-spurting neck as if he were a rabid lion claiming his prey. Spasms and twitches from Kark's body thrust out his arm in such a way that it hits Kaylee in the side of the mouth, knocking out one of his top incisor teeth. The tooth flies almost with purpose, landing right next to the lifeless body of the once-vibrant German shepherd named Jonathan. You motherfucker! Kaylee screams like a shrieking prom queen who didn't get her crown. Kaylee grabs the 50-pound chain and begins whipping across the skull of Kark's 15-year-old head that is only 13 years separated from Kark's baby soft spot fully closing. His mom was so proud. Now with each whip of the chain, Kark's head caves in, revealing squished pieces of brain, squeezing through broken china plate-like skull, causing him to spasm and scream. Please stop killing me, mister! My mama loves me still! Kaylee pulls out his large blade and begins to decapitate Kark in a fit of epic rage, screaming and ravaging Kark's neck, almost severing his spinal column from the rest of his body with one fantastic sawing motion. Pulling his head up, raising it toward the sun of doom as if he were Perseus holding up the head of Medusa, Kaylee turns the head of Kark facing it toward him, staring into the lifeless eyes that are momentarily trying not to let his 
head die by focusing on generating more life from his body that is no longer connected. Smiling wildly, loving the taste of Kark's blood in his mouth, Kaylee whispers in the ear of Kark's decapitated head. Kark? Can you bark? Kaylee pulls Kark's head back, shocked to see the head mouth a bark with a lippy, flapping sound that squishes, finally sending Kark's cross-eyed stupor into the deep oblivion of death. Kaylee moves in and kisses the lips of Kark's lifeless head, even flickering his tongue in his lifeless mouth as he punches his arm out, dropping the head and kicking it like a soccer ball, sending it halfway to the moon. Kaylee, covered in blood, his hair matted with that blood caked to the side, looks at the sun and begins to howl into a roar. Feeling for his missing tooth, Kaylee winces with the pain of the open nerve as his finger presses against it inside his gum. Like one inescapable scream, Kaylee collapses of heat exhaustion, falling back laughing as he does. <laughs> to bury him. I have to put him in the dirt. Let the maggots get their feed. Kaylee pulls the E-tool shovel apparatus from his belt and begins to hack at the earth, ripping away gravel and stone. By nightfall, the hole is deep enough for Kaylee to pull the body of Kark's pubescent body into the hole, spilling its decapitated mass into the bottom of the waiting dirt as the maggots and worms wait for him to be covered so they can begin their mighty death feast. Forgetting about the head... Kaylee, in a last moment of sun-stroked confusion, throws his beloved Jonathan into the death hole with Kark's lifeless, decapitated body. Kaylee stares with his eyes lifeless and his chin plastered to the front of his chest, grunting like a grating wind. He's yours now, you dumb, blind fuck. When Kaylee finally covers the hole, he finds Kark's hidden satchel case strapped to a desert pine tree. Filled in the satchel is three apples, one canteen filled with Gatorade, one filled with water, and a granola bar. Smiling, Kaylee has his feast, staring into the crystal clear night sky as he finishes the last of the granola bar. Feeling extra primal, Kaylee grunts inhumanly as if the death of his dog was the spark that lit his insanity to glowing luminosity. And that's that, Kaylee says to himself, dusting himself off, making the long step towards several that will take him back to his self-sufficient survival shelter that is ten mountain miles away. That's that. So he thought. Chapter 2 From the moment Kaylee abandoned the head of Kark Dundle, he was doomed. Kaylee, before the evening of July 31st, had never seen a ghost. In fact, he had never thought about or read a ghost story. Ever since his survivalist father had died and left him the solar-powered cabin in the woods, he didn't think much of anything. He was just a man that tended to his crops of cannabis that he used to sell for a quarterly harvest profit. All black market, very much on the low end, but enough to live off of for eight months at a time. Kaylee's father had been in finance and had lost his mind after he smoked a meth pipe that had LSD caked on the side of it without his knowledge. After the freakout smoking incident that followed, Kaylee's father abandoned his finance duties in New York City, claiming the grimy gremlins from the hidden crevices in the labias of horrors were looking to steal his sperm one swimmer at a time. 
He used his millions to build the cabin that Kaylee now resides in that is completely off-grid and 100% self-sustainable. Kaylee has enjoyed his free ride, which is about to come to a haunting and spooky end. Kaylee labored that day, making his rounds, ensuring that his cannabis bushes that were big as trees were growing properly and receiving the ample nutrient-rich diet that he had prescribed for them to have on a bi-weekly basis. Much of the insanity that day, the day Kaylee brutally murdered a young teenage boy named Kark Dundle for accidentally shooting his beloved German shepherd Jonathan with a crossbow arrow between the eyes, Kaylee thought had been left behind at the kill site. I never had a violent thought toward another man other than that day. Kaylee woke up thinking to himself when he found himself passed out on the steps of his backwoods cabin. Something, he felt had possessed him. Although he never had the cognitive means to articulate that specific word, he knew some sort of bad spirit had taken over him. Maybe that same evil energy had possessed young Kark to shoot his dog the way he did. Kaylee had really wanted to fuck Kark's mouth with nails. Had he had some nine-inch nails that were on the hill that was 10.2 miles away from where he now laid, he would have. The meanness in him that day was foreign to him, and he has since tried to forget that day by thinking of it as a bad day that happened to someone else, and the distant memory of a nightmare he may or may not have had. Right at the moment his life changed forever, Kaylee was watering the base roots of a cannabis bush with a ladle of his special fertilizer solution that had large amounts of bat guano evenly distributed through the liters and liters of water. His unexpected bad day was about to start with a ghostly whisper. Kaylee. A voice whispered through the mystic wind. Only there was no wind. There was just hot, dead air all around him. Kaylee stopped pouring the solution on the roots of the cannabis plant named Satori. He looks around through the rows of the plants that are taller than he is and as bountifully full with leaves as many sheds. There is no sound just the near-silent dripping of water drops falling from the end of the watering hose apparatus. Kaylee shakes his head and begins to water again, frowning his eyes as he continues. I swear that sounded like it was right up next to my ear, he thinks. As he waters, he begins to hear the soft barking of... Jonathan! Instantly, Kaylee drops the water bladder and freezes in his tracks. He listens intently. The barks fade and give way to a sadistic sound. A sound he has heard before. It is the sound of a blade being sharpened by leather. What in the good God, hell? Kaylee asks himself, afraid now, as he looks in all directions around him, to only find the illusion of everyday normalcy. There is the sound of the wind ripping the sonority of a slash. Kaylee instantly feels the hot, stinging, lacerating pain on the back of his calf, being split open through his pants. Kaylee falls back, screaming, grabbing his calf in pain. Ah! What the fuck? He screams. Kaylee looks at the pant material, covering his sure-to-be-injured calf, only to find that there is no slash. There is just the pooling, trickling of his own blood, staining his rugged blue jeans he's had since he was 25 years old, which was 12 years ago. He's since added a few stitches to keep the pants stable, giving the appearance of clothed civility. As Kaylee pulls up his pant leg to see the severity of his wound, he hears another whisper. This time, it is right behind him, as if being whispered to him by a lover. I'm here. 
The whispering ghost-like voice whispers, Wah! Kaylee screams, shooting up to his feet, running as hard as he can with his limping leg to the expected safety of his cabin. As he runs, he feels the prickling pins of panic still shooting out from the surface pores of his skin. His heart is racing so hard it is actually making him feel dizzy. Whatever this is, he wants it to stop. It is too frightful to bear for him. Kaylee, as if running on air, leaps up the steps of his porch, nearly clearing it right through the crashing gate of his screen, door breaking it in half, falling right through it, landing sideways on a poking jagged splinter of wood frame. Kaylee screams as the large splinter, the size of a dagger, penetrates him through his ribs four inches into his abdomen. God damn, he shrieks, thrashing about, still ate up with the willies from the ghostly encounter moments before. Kaylee pulls the dagger splinter door frame from his side, screaming as he does. God damn it, he screams, passing out from the pain. Five minutes go by before Kaylee regains consciousness. He wakes, sitting up, not feeling the penetrating, throbbing pain of the penetrating splinter anymore, but still feels the stinging pain of the open wound. Sitting up on his elbows, looking at the disaster of his broken front screen door as the light begins to hit twilight, Kaylee freezes, listening for any distrustful sounds. There are none. There is just the hollow whine of his attic space freezer that could be confused with background environmental noise. He waits and waits. Then, without so much as a build-up preluding sound, the faint rapping of a large tooth falling against the wood flooring of his porch can be heard. Kaylee is frozen, still on his elbows, his lips drawn and his mouth agape. Time goes by. Then, as if taunting him to scream, he hears the faint barking sound of his former dog, Jonathan. As clear as he could hear his phonograph if it were playing right next to him. Kaylee, becoming angered at his deepening feelings of cowardice, hops up to his feet, forgetting about his calf muscle that is supposed to be badly injured. He steps on it and then instinctively recoils, expecting there to be shooting lacerating pains from the would-be wound. But there is no pain. Kaylee, confused, reaches for his mini-mag light flashlight that is on the stoop of his key rack. Clicking it on with the button of the cylinder's butt, Kaylee bends down, pulling up his right pant leg, expecting to see a gory, bloody mess of lacerated calf meat. There is none. There is nothing but healthy white skin that is flexing a rock-hard calf muscle built from years of hiking in the hidden mountains of his father's land. Kaylee is shocked. I felt the goddamn cut, he says to himself, hoping he can respond as someone else outside of his terrifying situation. And it is a situation that will not end until his untimely death. Kaylee looks to the broken door frame, hoping to see the source of the rapping tiny bone fragment sound he heard moments earlier, walking slowly and needlessly with a limp. Kaylee makes his way through the crumpled, broken screen door, shining the flashlight down at the dirt-dusted wooded planks of his porch to see a large, bloody incisor tooth resting alive. Kaylee's eyes widen. He knows exactly whose tooth that is. That's mine, he whispers with utter disbelieving shock. He bends down to inspect the tooth further, thinking of putting it in his dead nerve of a gaping gum where it had originated, but is quickly forgetting his dental detective plan as the barking sounds of a not-too-distant dog approaches getting closer. Sounding not as far this time. Kaylee looks out on the black-orange horizon of the set sun skyline to see a figure standing at the edge of the tree line in the same direction of the hill that is 
two miles away. He looks for discernible characteristics, but begins to piss himself when he realizes he is staring at the headless figure of a standing torso. Sakes alive, Kaylee whimpers as he lets the warm piss run down his leg. The torso stands there for a long time as a cutout contradure. Kaylee watches as the orange and purple-pink light begins to fade behind the silhouette of the impossible figure. Just as quickly as he focuses on the dark, headless figure, the ghostly black silhouette of a dog, a German shepherd dog, just like his deceased Jonathan, sits on its haunches next to the black human silhouette that fades into the completed darkness. The dog whips back its head and begins to bark, then growl. A low, guttural growl that sonorously communicates passionate disdain for Kaylee's presence. The dog appears to have a vested interest in protecting its new master. Kaylee stares as long as he can, hoping the seconds he is counting in his head last longer than they feel. The deadly stare of death he can feel. Somehow the shadows of the headless torso and the dog are darker than the surrounding night, making them appear like nightshades in an already impossibly dark night. Kaylee waits. He does not make a sound. He does not move. He does not even breathe. Terror begins to grip him as he realizes the logistical nature of that tooth landing on the porch where it did is nearly impossible. How did it land from that far in the woods? Did the headless torso throw it or drop it? Maybe there's some kind of spirit teleportation system where ghosts... Kaylee sees the dog as howling like a wolf. But the headless torso master is no longer standing beside the dog at the tree line. It is right behind him. A hand grips Kaylee's shoulder, causing him to fart very loudly as liquid spurts of shit fill his already filthy underwear. Kaylee becomes so stiff with fright that he actually starts to convulse as if he had been dipped in an ice lake on a sub-zero temperature day. This is the closest feeling of death he has ever experienced, for death is actually touching him. Kaylee drops his incisor tooth that could have only originated from the kill site of Kark, the young teenager no more. So he had thought. The hand on Kaylee's back grips harder, cracking his collarbone as it squeezes. Kaylee can't cry out in pain because his acid-like panic has him in a venerable, vice-like shank of soul-splitting atomic shock. The hand pushes Kaylee forward off of the porch, not letting him fall even though he trips. It begins to walk him toward the woods, toward the impenetrable darkness, toward his ghost dog, Jonathan. But it is not Kaylee's dog any longer. It's Kark's, and Kark is back. Kaylee looks back over his shoulder, not seeing a head, but only a mangled, sawed-up neck. The same neck he had seen when he had finished decapitating Kark several weeks ago. <laughs> Mama! Mama! Kaylee screamed as the terror was so pronounced he felt as though he may literally leap out of his own skin. <laughs> no! I don't want to die. Don't feed me to my dog, Kark. Don't feed me to my dead dog. As Kaylee is pushed further toward the tree line of the woods, the ghost dog begins to patternistically pace like it is behind some kind of invisible fence. It growls with extra dimensionality and menace as it does. A fallen tree log next to the dog becomes a sharpening stake as it begins to sharpen its claws, much like a panther does in the wild before a killing hunt. 
With death gripping him, Kaylee has no other manageable choice other than to run, which he is punished instantly with a slash across his back that scrapes the bone of his spine. Yeah! Kaylee screams with an operatic woman-like shriek. Kaylee turns to see his own silver blade is in the hand of the dark headless figure. Kaylee's blood gleams in the moonlight as the headless figure waves the blade back and forth, scraping it against the extended leather of his loosened belt. The dog, Kaylee's former best friend, halts its pacing and begins to salivate, its eyes faintly glowing red like too many universes of evil's nascent eternity. A whispering command with omnipresent ferocity emanates from the deep dark of the wood. Count for me. The voice of Kark whispers. Kaylee looks to the tree line for the source of the haunting whisper, shaking wide-eyed, feeling like his eyeballs are about to pop out of his throbbing skull. The headless torso of Kark slashes the back of Kaylee again this time, making a carved X extending the entirety of Kaylee's blood-soaked bath. <laughs> Kaylee looks behind him to see maggots, worms, and roaches gush out of the chopped neck where Kark's head used to be. Kaylee screams, covering his face with his balled-up, terrorized fists. Another slash comes, without mercy this time lining the back of Kaylee's skull down to his ass crack. Count for me! A descending whisper emanates from the tree line of the forest. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten... So on and so forth, Kaylee counts like a whimpering little child. The headless torso shoves Kaylee toward the tree line, pointing with its dead arm toward the tree line. Kaylee stumbles, putting one foot in front of the other, feeling the searing pain of the deep lacerations in his back that he is sure had clipped his spine. Tingling sensations fill his fingertips with some of them completely numb altogether, indicating massive nerve damage. The dog's eyes glow red. It growls, almost making a noise of whining satisfaction as Kaylee nears. <laughs> 18, 19, 20, 21. Kaylee continues to count as if the mere counting is a placatory gesture of goodwill. The loss of blood is having a soporific effect on Kaylee, making his eyes bob as if he were on a cross-country trip, sitting far too long in the day behind the wheel of his swerving vehicle. His eyes belied his hate. Stop! Don't touch me! He said as if the lights in his head were being turned on and then off again in sequence over and over. Kaylee was becoming completely disoriented by the blood loss and shock of it all. The ghost dog beckons like a cat-calling rapist looking at the fresh bloody meat moving toward him in orderly and syncopated fashion. Finally... They get to the edge of the forest, which is like a barrier between two temporal worlds. One the real, the other the coming horror reality known only at the bottom of the belly of a snarling and smiling beast dog that has come back from the grave. 87, 88, 60, I, I mean 89. Kaylee stops counting as his error in procedural count step has somehow caused a calloused silence between the two ghosts and Kaylee, who can smell the piss and shit that is running and caked on his thighs. A sinister thought enters Kaylee's mind that is lit up with bone-dry, throbbing pain. Just in me. Finish it. The dog laps its tongue, looking at the blood dripping from Kaylee's twitching fingers with fervent lust. Hey, 
A voice beckons to Kaylee. Kaylee's eyes search the boundary of the trees that are cloaked in impenetrable darkness. Just as his eyes scan the first three trees, he looks up to see Kark's decapitated head posted on the pike of a dead tree branch high above him. The jaw moves up and down like it is mouthing a machine gun yawn as it chuckles, sending the crickets to sleep that were chirping forever. <laughs> Moaning in near collapse with terrible fright, Kaylee mumbles, No, I killed you. You's dead. I buried you there on that hill. This is a dream. This is a terrible dream. The torso of Kark's body begins to slash and cut at Kaylee, who is between his own silver blade and the biting ferocity of his once beloved German shepherd dog, Jonathan, who is now a demon canine, hungry for his bloody sustenance. The blade enters Kaylee's lower back, penetrating straight through his kidneys, sending a toxic amount of deadly bile into his body, surely to kill him in less than an hour. But he will be dead much sooner than that. And the dog's belly will be much too full to think about the need for scraps. <laughs> Kaylee screams, I had my whole life ahead of me, you redneck hillbilly goat fucking faggot. My whole life! The head of Kark's decapitated body says with interdimensional harmonic sonorities still perched high on the pike of the tree branch that now has a symphony of crows flocking to its outer branches. Not wanting the cutting of the blade, which has just been pulled out of his kidney and plunged into his right lung through his back, causing it to collapse, causing Kaylee to begin breathing a gargled rasp of terrifying shock. He summoned out of his badly damaged body. His eyes were beginning to cross as Kark's decapitated head laughs at him. <laughs> they allowed me to come back. They demanded I come back for my revenge, you black spit of cum. Kark's head screams from near the high moon that has just been revealed through a blanket of ghostly soft white clouds. Kaylee, stumbling forward, is instantly met with the jowls of the dog that begins to rip into his stomach and ribs, tearing the flesh and cloth from his body. <coughs> Kaylee pathetically screams as if begging for Lucifer to sodomize him instead. Kaylee uses his waning strength, what little left there is and pushes himself back off of the dog as it bites his thumb off, tearing it from the socket, creating a chicken bone separation sound, bleeding into the slashing silver blade sonority wielded by Kark's headless torso. Back and forth, he is slashed, stabbed, bitten, mangled, and mauled by the demon dog. Kark's headless torso and Kark's never-ending demonic-sounding laughs fill the night. The dog, biting Kaylee's genitals, lets go to continue ripping the gaping wound in Kaylee's stomach that is beginning to reveal his gory intestines that are bleeding with profound viscera, lit by the deep blue beauty of the out-of-season harvest moon. Kaylee, still conscious, looks down to see his beloved Jonathan feeding on his intestines, pulling them out, wolfing them down like it was liquefied dog chow. The intestines being ripped out of his body pull him forward as the dog gnaws the guts, relieving them of their bodily chain of command. The squishing sounds of munching and masticating satisfaction are heard in horrifying detail as the dog moans with horrifying delight. Terror! Kaylee thinks... 
He now knows the true definition. If only Kaylee's survival instincts weren't so pronounced, he might have died quicker. Kaylee can feel the dog's snout inside the gaping hole of his freshly vacated belly, gutted contents that are now at home in the dog's own ravenous belly. The dog's head turns sideways to chomp and bite into Kaylee's revealed spine, pulling out vertebrae, which the dog takes with it and begins to chew on it from a sitting position at the base of the tree where Kark's decapitated head is perched. Good boy, Jonathan. That's a real good boy. Throw me his eyes! The decapitated head screams to his torso. The torso spins Kaylee's head around, cracking his neck, making Kaylee instantly lose feeling in the rest of his body. The torso takes its pointed talon-like fingers with sharpened long nails and daggers out of the eyes of Kaylee as his screams now hit a sickening operatic pitch that can no longer be categorized as human and might be breaking glass. The eyes are pulled from their sockets and ripped from their retinal cords. The torso tosses Kaylee's brown, squished eyes into the open mouth of Kark's decapitated head one by one with slam-dunk proficiency. Kark's head bites into them, bursting them like bursting chocolate-covered blood cherries. Kaylee gurgles over and over again, nearing the end, as his death spasm consumes his body, eviscerating his soul. The dog, not satisfied, leaps up and rips out the neck of Kaylee as Kark's torso saws with the silver blade, cutting and cutting deeper, bone sawing deeper, pulling and ripping the spinal cord, separating Kaylee's spastic head and tongue from the rest of his gyrating and contorting body that is still fighting to stay alive, even though... It's getting fucked up the ass with a knife. The dog's eyes glow red as its head reaches back to the sky and howls a wolf's howl. Wide-eyed and maniacal screams are frozen on the face of Kaylee, who is technically still conscious, even though his head is not connected to his ravaged body. Bring him to me. Kark's decapitated head screams from the tree branch pike. The torso tosses Kaylee's head like a basketball, perfectly shish kebabbing it on the tree branch next to Kark's. Kaylee's dead! Kark's head screams as Kaylee's eyes slowly try to follow, looking left at Kark's screaming head. Finally, Kaylee's head. His eyes go cross-eyed, looking down and up, losing their life altogether. Finally, Kaylee is without a doubt, and in fact, dead. Chapter 3 Fall came with a flurry of anticipation for young Billy Joe Smith. He and his pap had been planning all summer for their seasonal escape into the deserted woods to find their great big elk that would feed their family all through the bone-chilling course of winter. The Smith family had their escapist views about evading government lowlifes. They hated politicians and only slightly less people themselves. The Smiths were a very tight family. If called to do so, they would kill any man, woman, and child who disrupted their good order of home, their sense of self. This sort of life-living intensity took its toll on young Billy Joe Smith's emotional health from time to time. It appeared to him that this emotional turmoil came in seasons like their hunting trip. For Billy Joe Smith, this hunting trip was more than just a requirement for their seasonal sustenance. It was an escape into the only refuge he knew where his father was not filled with constant hate and angst. I can already hear the antlers and smell the trail piss, Pat! Billy Joe exclaimed to his father who was trailing behind Billy Joe bundled up in his made-for-weather camouflage jacket and trousers toting his 30-06 at the ready by his side pointed safely at the thin layer of ice and puddles of snow. 
Billy Joe, running and joyous, makes his father smile. Here, he knows they will be well protected by their instincts. Here, he knows they won't try and tell him how he is supposed to raise his son. He knows what is right for his boy and his family. The other half that is 70 miles away. God damn anyone who tells him differently. Billy disappears beyond a small hill that leads to the next ridge. Billy's father of the same name does not worry for he has taught his son well how to track and find his way to a stream and food source should he ever get lost and separated from him. Billy Joe is far away from his father now who breathes in the cold air taking in the clean freshness of its purifying spirit smelling a hint of someone's far off wood burning fire. Dad! Billy Joe's father hears his son calling out to him. The father runs. He runs like a parent off to save his son who could have still been an infant. The intensity of his panic to save his son was that pronounced. Hang on, son! I'm coming! In the father's mind, he had heard panic. But when he arrived over the hill to see the still cindering remains of a cabin, he became instantly relieved. It wasn't panic from his son. It was the joyous excitement of a rare find. Son, you all right? The father stammers out of breath. It just burned! Billy Joe Smith says playfully, jumping on the burned down remains of Kaylee Smith's old cabin. Cousins, if you will. I think we can set up camp here tonight and make a great big old fire, Billy Joe says to his curious father who is looking at the solar panels that haven't been touched. He is already thinking of ways to claim them, bringing them back to his own house. There is the sound of a faint bark in the distance. The two Billy Joe Smiths look out into the woods together. Wolves? Billy Joe Smith asks his father. No. Sounds more like a German shepherd. What would a German shepherd be doing out here? <laughs> it has to be lost, says Billy Joe, who is losing a bit of spark as he listens further. His father hears it too. Sounds like someone's counting. <laughs>